Welcome back, tribe. You are in for another treat. This is part two of the conversation with coach turned pastor Rocky Seto. We're going to kick this show off with Pastor Seto's story of how he transitioned from being a college coach to being a coach in the NFL. The transition to the National Football League. Talk about it. It was uh, humbling. And what I mean by that is just, I mean, my dream job was coaching at USC. I mean, I grew up in Southern California. My dad, who's like I said, is a gardener. Our customers were right there by the Rosebowl. I used to cut grass with my dad in the lawns of the neighborhoods surrounding the Rose Bowl, and that was my dream. You know, just coaching there, playing there was my dream, but coaching there was ridiculous. I finished off. The Lord had it where I was a volunteer, administrative assistant, then a grad assistant, then the safeties coach, then the linebackers coach, then the defensive backs coach, and it finished off as a defensive coordinator. So. That was a trajectory of my career. And then when I got to the NFL, coach asked me to become the quality control coach, which is a great position, but it's the entry-level coaching position in the NFL, which is equivalent to maybe being a graduate assistant in college. And it humbled me. God humbled me through that and showed me where I need to be humble. And I was doing work I did 10 years prior. And what happened was God drove me even closer to his Bible, closer to where I, where I found my greatest encouragement in the Bible. And I didn't need all this other stuff anymore And in terms of career advancement and things like that. I just wanted to, God, I'm just doing this for you. He, he re-centered me. He got me refocused on him. And um, we need that sometimes. And mm-hmm. I needed that. And and through it all, after that, I was able to just enjoy the NFL as, man, this is an incredible place, especially at the Seattle Seahawks under Coach Carroll. And I loved my time coaching in the NFL for seven years. And um, I, I, and I got to really empathize for college football coaches, who, especially those who are married with kids, because the hours, like you said, coaching, let alone trying to win, let alone gr- uh, on top of that, you're recruiting. On top of that, you're, you're the counselor. On top of that, you're the academic counselor and all that stuff that goes into You're the fundraising guy. You're all that in college. Where in the NFL, my main job is to get the team ready to play on Sundays. Yeah. And then once the offseason hits, there's a whole scouting department that oversees, you know, evaluating and, and drafting and signing free agents. And, it's really helpful to regroup with the family in the off season where in college, you don't have that. It's, it's a hard job that they have, the college guys have. It's hard enough being a football coach, let alone all the college responsibilities. Yeah. People always ask me, what's the difference? And I said, you know, at least in the NFL, when I would go home in the NFL, I would cut my phone off and not worry about missing a call because your job was done. Oh, I mean, man. You, that was it. Yeah. In college. Totally. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're you're going to chemistry class to make sure Jimmy's there. Um, you, you can't miss a call from the recruit on the other side of the country in a different time zone. I mean, it is 24-7. There's no way to get away from it in college. And people are like, what? I said, oh, yeah, you're working. The clock never stops when you're in the college game. Totally. Totally, totally. I mean, you're afraid to miss that text, that call, the email. You have to go to these camps now and do these remote camps. And I, I feel for these college coaches, you know, and uh, it, it's a tough job. And, and their wives and their children, they, 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 they sacrifice a lot. Yeah. Go back to something that you talked about where you went from being the defensive coordinator 
at the University yeah. of Southern California. You're making a ton yeah. of money. I mean, this is one of the prize positions in college football. And then you've got to swallow your ego. And I'm going to tell you something, Rocky. There were a lot of coaches, and you and I know them, who wouldn't have, uh, they wouldn't have taken that quality control position in Seattle. Um, you know, their ego wouldn't have allowed them to do that, but you were able to humble yourself and, and then take on that position. Just talk again about, you know, what gave you that sort of well, uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I'm a pastor now. Seven years ago, I almost went into the ministry for the wrong reasons. I was so upset at coach. I was so prideful, so full of just this resentment. Like, I can't believe this is what you have for me. Like, didn't we win national championships? Didn't we win a bunch of Rose Bowls and Pac-10 championships and Orange Bowls together? All of a sudden, I can't coach now. Hmm. I was like, I'm honest. I'm just being honest. And I've talked to coach already about this and we became closer through it, man. I love the man so much, but that was just my own personal issues, my own sin issues. And God humbled me through it. And really bottom line, I felt like God wanted us to coach still. Hmm. And, and that's what happened being obedient. And through it all, I'm telling you, look what happened here. We moved to Seattle. My wife is from Seattle. And from that moment on, God showed me that we needed to be there. For example, my father-in-law, who I love, Norm Chang, he got un, gets ill. He gets goes under kidney failure almost like a month after I accepted the job. And it, the Lord showed me that we needed to be there. And and, and I would not have made that move. And, and God graciously opened up that move to happen. And through it all, he grew me. But we're and also as a child of God and my faith in the Lord, and also... He allowed us to be alongside our family members who were struggling during that time and, and to spend time with them. And uh, I'm glad it happened that we were able to move up there and, because God knows what's best, you know, and it's neat to see that how, looking backwards. You know, one thing I'm listening to you and I'm just thinking, you know, one word that keeps jumping out at me is favor. And you're a kid running around Heritage Hall. Yeah. Bump into John Robinson. <laughs> you get to be a walk on at USC. Um, you get fired mm -hmm. your then girlfriend now wife says let's go to a volleyball match you don't want to go you're smart enough to still go you <laughs> yeah. see Pete Carroll you land on the coaching staff um, you go you get a gig in the NFL that's at a lower position than you were really probably on paper qualified to take but he puts you in the city where your wife grew up and then you're there to help your father-in-law. I mean, this is just like, I mean, favor is like the word that sort of summarizes all of these different ways that the Lord is putting you where he wants you to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's God's grace, you know, and, and you got to understand like right when I thought it was a setback, when the coach gets fired, I'm like, man, this is the worst thing that could happen. It kind of turns out better. Coach Carroll leaves USC. Man, man, I can't believe this is happening. It turns out better. You know, and um, it's it, just how the Lord works. And um, sometimes we don't know the story fully, what God's writing in our life. But as long as we trust God, hmm. even in the worst case scenario, even in the worst case scenario where it, in, in the world's eyes it doesn't work out, if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in the end, that's all that's going to matter. And I experienced something in 2010 where God showed me in Oakland a plane crash, a plane literally crashed in front of my eyes. 
And in, in that moment, three people were in the face of eternity. And one man who was on that plane was a wealthy, wealthy steel man, highly uh, uh, you know, successful. But in that moment, I hope he's a Christian because in the end, nothing else is going to matter. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? If not, it's a place that you don't want to go to, a place of separation from God forever, a place called hell. But if you know Jesus as Lord, I mean, you're going to be in a place of eternal bliss with him. And that's really what it comes down to, is Jesus our treasure. And that's the message of our, of, of my place here at, at Evergreen SGV in La Puente, is, is Jesus the treasure of your life. Wow. Talk about that, because you're, you're in Oakland. You know, go back to that, the, the crash. I mean, you're in Oakland for a road game. Yep. And you, you witness this plane crash. In real time, like, what's going through your mind as you're seeing this plane go down? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I was just struggling, right? My first year, I was just full of pride, full of bitterness. I'm thinking about all that mess, man. I, I'm like jogging before it's a nighttime game, last preseason game. So it was a Thursday night game, and I'm jogging, and I'm just thinking about all this mess. And then all of a sudden, I see this plane crash about 50 yards in front of me. And in that moment, all that was wiped away. Like, what do you, like, God was showing me, what are you so worried about? Is that stuff that you're so much consumed by going to really even matter? And the answer was absolutely not. And that's what happened. And from that moment on, God started healing me. And I just started releasing these things. And that really even helped my relationship with Coach Carroll. I, I could consider, I we consider each other great friends now. And at one moment, I was all upset and bitter. I, I walked into his office and said, Coach, I got to tell you something. He said, what's up, man? I got to apologize to you because I haven't been loving you purely. I, I, and he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, I've been trying to do a good job for you in hopes and think expectation that you're going to take care of me in my career. And in a sense, I wasn't purely serving him and loving on him the way God called me to. And he looked at me like, man, I can't believe you're talking to me about this. And we just became even closer after that moment. And wow. that's the type of coach that he is. You know, he he allows me to be honest with him and talk to him about these things. Where other football coaches, you know how football coaches, they'd be looking at me like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Get out of here, you know? Yeah, get out of here, man. Don't get all crazy with me. But he wasn't like that. He just, he, he, he graciously listened to me. And we just grow to love each other more through it. Wow. Wow. So you see the plane crash. You win a Super Bowl in 2014. I mean, you know, and listening to your story, for a lot of people, this would be the highlight, but I can guess it's not for you. You know, you win a Super Bowl in 2014. What was that season like? It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we lost the year before to the Atlanta Falcons on a last-second field goal. I mean, we, we messed it up on defense. And we knew our team was red hot. We felt like we could have won the whole world championship that year. So the next year, we felt like something was different. It was different. And the guys were focused. And, the, man, the Lord showed us grace and favor that year, and we are able to win it. And uh, that was one of, the more, one of the more memorable years of my life, and um, it was pretty neat, man. And to win a Super Bowl is far out, you know, and I, God was so gracious. And now you've made the, the ultimate pivot. You know, as a, as a son of a Baptist minister, I'm the great-great-grandson of a yeah. Baptist minister. When I saw your story and I, I, I knew of you while I coached, but when I saw that you had made this latest transition, I thought, man, I have got to get you on the podcast because this is an incredible story. You are now the pastor of Evergreen SGV. Talk about what was the point to where you said, OK, I'm, I'm doing this. this. This is it's time for me to to make this change. 
All right. Like I said earlier, I, seven years prior, like 2010, remember I was all upset and yeah. hurt and almost thought about going to the ministry back then. I had a desire since then, but it would have been all for the wrong reasons, you know? And, but so my pastor, Corey Ishida, who's been here at Evergreen SGV for 40 years, he's that type of guy, you know what I mean? For 40 years <laughs> to be at a church, we all love him. And, and he called me up and we've been talking about ministry for the last, you know, that during those seven years. And he just called me up in August of a year ago, um, and he just asked me, hey, I think you're supposed to be my replacement. And from that moment on, for that whole season, I was just praying about it, thinking about it. I wanted to say yes almost a month later. But what, the one sticking point was my wife and I were, on, were, on, were not on the same page. Hmm. My wife, Sharla, who knew me as a football coach our whole time together, because I don't see it. You know, this football thing's been great. We're happy. What What's the deal? And, you know, in the Bible, it talks about a pastor must be able to oversee his family well. And if my decision were to crush her, in effect, I would be disqualifying myself from the ministry. So I said, Lord, if you, I think this is what you have for us. But if this is what you have, you have to turn her heart. In December 31st, uh, before the turn of the year, Charlotte says, hey, I see that we're called to do this. We should do this. And I was like, are you sure? So I waited a few more days. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I'm sure. And it, I, so I called Pastor Corey, and I said, all right, let's do this. And I told Coach Carroll a few days later, the week of our first playoff game versus the Detroit Lions, and and he goes, all right, and that was it. Wow. So I finished I finish out the season, though. I didn't just leave. <laughs> I finished out the playoffs, and then – after that, after our loss to the Atlanta Falcons to our friend Dan Quinn, that was my last football game I, I coached. What was it like to, to tell the team that, that you were making a change? It was incredible. With Coach Carroll, he wasn't surprised because we've been talking about this for, for several years now, but he, I think he was surprised still that we're actually going through it. But with the team, man, it, Coach Carroll allowed me some time with the football team to say goodbye in our exit meeting after our Atlanta loss, and he goes, Rocky, would you like to say something as you're leaving to the ministry? Man, Coach Carroll's awesome. I got to say goodbye. How much I, I got to express how much I appreciate all the coaches and the players there. And I got to preach the gospel to them. And in mm-hmm. essence, the gospel is the good news, meaning man, the good news, in order to understand the good news, you've got to understand the bad news. I explained to the team, the bad news is this. We've offended God by sinning, all of us, and the penalty of that we get to get – we would get punished by God for eternity in hell. That's the bad news. But I said, the good news is Jesus, who is God, loved us so much. He became a man, lived the perfect life, and was God poured out his wrath on him so that he could treat us as forgiven sons. And that if you, it's a free gift. If you want to respond to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you could be at peace with God. And that was my parting message to the team. And they gave me a standing ovation. And that was, that was the end of my time with the Seahawks. Wow. It was awesome. There are a lot of Christians out there that would have a tough time standing before 53 grown men in the NFL, coaches, staff, and really professing their belief in Christ, right? I mean, that just the vulnerability. And this is, I mean, and and you know that world. It's it's over the top, macho. um, Yeah. But just the vulnerability on display and the courage to be able to to stand up there and to preach the gospel. 
I mean. Yeah. Let me say this much. In the end, like I said, God showed me people dying. I don't care how rich you are, how strong you are, how powerful you are, how many Super Bowls you want. None of that's going to matter. And I'm going to be held under the account to answer to Christ. Was I faithful with the opportunities I had to preach the gospel? And if I truly love these men that I've, I admire so much. I mean, you know it, man. Football players, football coaches. There's no not many people I admire more than these guys. If I truly love these guys, why wouldn't I tell them the most important message that they ever need to hear? And so, and and I believe, even in that environment, people are very tender. They want to know what's real. And whether whatever industry you're working in, as long as you're genuine. They will respect you. Whether they agree with you or not, that's a whole different story. But there's a bunch of frauds in our industries, whether it's football, business, academia, wherever we're at. There's a bunch of fake people walking around. And at the end of the day, our culture wants to see people who are real. And is this true conviction that we have? And if it's true, we should be able to speak about it in love. And I, and I, I, I hope and pray that that's how it came off with my guys that I love so much on the Seahawks. Wow. Talk about your life now at Evergreen SGV. It's awesome. I, I'm preaching twice a month, and I'm still under sitting under pa- Pastor Corey Ishida, who's mentoring me. I've been blessed with some great mentors like Coach Carroll, now Corey Ishida. I'm trying to finish up my master's uh, uh, degree in theology from Liberty University Online, and I love that school's been great. And so a lot of studying. I, as I used, as you know, I used to study like 30 hours of 20, 30 hours of film a week <laughs> in football. Now I'm like reading books <laughs> and and reading the Bible the whole time. So I love it, man. One of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire, and and one of my favorite lines is Eric Little, who's the who's the guy who gave up an Olympic career to become a missionary to China. He says this: "I believe God made me for a purpose." And I know he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I teach and preach the word of God, I feel God's pleasure. I know this is exactly what God built me to do. And there's not no greater feeling than that. Coach, we're ending it right there. Man, thanks so much. Your, your story is incredible. But I think even more than that, just the courage that you've displayed, even from the early days of running around Heritage Hall trying to you know, walk on to the <laughs> USC football team and now going into the ministry. There aren't a lot of people who would put aside all of the ego and the fame and the glitter that comes with being an NFL coach, but you, you have answered the call and I just thank you for your courage and your honesty and, and candor with the tribe. I really appreciate it. Man, this is a privilege and blessing to be on the tribe, man. And hopefully... You know, this helps somebody and hopefully um, biggest message is that, man, Jesus is the greatest treasure of all. And I hope you get, get to know him as your Lord. Thank you so much, Coach. We appreciate it. All right, Tribe. Thank you so much. And I mean that. Thank you for listening to today's show. For show notes and to get goodies to all of the links from the show, visit a tribe called yes.com. That's a tribe called yes.com. And I have one ask for you. If you like the show, give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It would really help us to spread the gospel of the tribe. And finally, special thanks to Samantha Skinner and Jacob Weiss, our co-producers and partners in crime, for serving up incredible episodes every single week from the University of Texas. Now go out there this week, slay some dragons, 
and keep saying yes. Yes.